back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here with the fantasy phenom, my guy, Alex Lott. You better get into these rookie running back rankings. Yeah, man, this is going to be fun. We just got through the quarterbacks. Check that out on our channel if you haven't done so already. That was a blast getting into some of these first round prospects. A very deep quarterback class at the top. And now we're going to do our top eight running backs in this draft class. I know Steph and I are going to have some disagreements here, which is going to be fun to debate and get oh, into. Um, but yeah, Steph, this is going to be fun. I think there's some pretty clear tier breaks as well. So we'll have to be sure to call those out as we go. And the pro days, man. The pro days across Man. the board were were pretty disappointing. You got Najee Harris not even not even testing. It's it's a pretty soft running back class. Man, I, I we were all so bullish on a lot of these deeper names. And then you got Jamar Jefferson oh. putting up a stinker at his pro day. That was rough, man. You <laughs> I remember after that, man, you were telling me when when you walked on at the University of Louisville, like you were putting up better times at their pro day. Yeah, and that's the thing. I'm not a generational athlete. I'm not a generational <laughs> talent. When you got a pro caliber running back that's not broad jumping or jumping his vertical or 40-yard dash as fast as a walk-on at the University of Louisville, it starts to raise some red flags. So Jermar's going to be interesting to get into. He was probably the one that I was the most disappointed with, fell down my board the most, but we'll get into that. So let's take it from the top here. We already have a disagreement because you have Najee Harris – Yep. At number one. And I have Travis Etienne at number one. Obviously, we both have the other guys number two. There's a clear big two in this class. And it's interesting that neither of these guys were early declares, but are expected to go in the first round. And one thing that we do know with running backs, and, and this will be a common theme as we go through all these rankings, we're going to have the full rankings, our full draft board with all positions Post it in our Discord channel. We'll put the link to that down below. We're also starting up some dynasty leagues in there. Got some different levels, $10 buy-in up to some high stakes league. So hop in that Discord, join the party, and hop into a league with us. But between Harris and Etienne, tell me why you have Harris number one. Yeah, I, I'm surprised actually that, that you have Etienne at one. Not because of anything other than the fact that we've both been talking about these guys for a while, even off the air, and it's just... I feel like you've been all aboard the Najee hype train with me. So I'm that, that just tells me how high you are on ETN rather than being low on Najee Harris, which is a good yes. place to start because Najee's 6'1", 230. I mean, perfect. Like, that doesn't get much better than that in terms of size for a running back. He doesn't have the breakaway speed, but he's fast enough. The, the one red flag, not red flag. I'm not even going to call it a red flag. The one, you know, counterpoint would be that he's already 23 years old. I'm not worried about that, though, because we've seen some of these running backs come into the league not being an early declare and still have workhorse value. So I'm not going to buy into that. Najee's still going to be in his prime for the next three, four years. Um, but listen to this, Steph. 251 carries, 1,466 yards, 30 total touchdowns um, at Alabama last season. That's 5.8 yards per carry. No, I don't just want to like read the college stat line and say that's why I'm at number one. But the big difference between Najee Harris and Travis Etienne for me projecting forward into their NFL career is that touchdown upside. Etienne's a smaller guy. You know, I think his receiving ability is fantastic. But Najee Harris, 
is closer to ETN in terms of receiving ability than I think ETN is to Najee Harris in terms of touchdown upside and goal line workload. Because Najee Harris, in his senior season at Alabama, 43 receptions for 425 yards. That's a 13.4% target share on a team with two first-round wide receiver prospects. So Najee Harris was getting looks in the passing game, and he was making it happen in the passing game. I think that's going to translate over very well to the NFL. People see Najee Harris at 6'1", 230, and they automatically think, just because of previous stereotypes with running backs, that a guy at that size isn't going to be able to catch the football. Well, Najee Harris can. He's actually surprisingly agile as well in open space. Just because he's that big doesn't mean he's going to bull you over every time. He's going to make you wonder whether he's going to run around you or just run right through you. So to me, I think Najee has true three-down workhorse potential with the goal line work as well, where I don't think ETN's upside is quite there. So that is kind of the case for why I have Najee over ETN. And the biggest tie break was that touchdown upside because I think there's no doubt that Najee's going to be in you know, in the red zone at the goal line for whatever team he gets drafted to. Yeah, he'll make sense as a power back too. You know, when you got a 230-pound guy just falling forward, he's going to be able to get you two to three yards. Interesting perspective there. I had not thought about that one. You know, for both of these guys, they were monster producers at the college level. The tiebreaker for me yeah. of putting ETN over Harris, and like you said, I'm very high on Harris, is that ETN was able to produce even as a freshman. So he, And he's done it longer than Harris has. And he actually went through the pro day combine process. Mm. And so we have a little bit more of a safety valve there. Who knows how fast Najee Harris actually is. I'm sure he's going to be great. I don't want to sound like I'm dogging him. Both of these guys, again, are monster producers at the college level. But Travis Etienne not only has actually given us the way in and, and some of the measurables that we can read off of with no question marks, but he also fits the type of player that I like. I am a big fan. I'm a very biased prospect analyzer because I like the DeAndre Swifts. I like the Miles Sanders type of guys. That's where Travis Etienne fits in for me. He has the upside to play maybe not necessarily Alvin Kamara role. I've heard that thrown out there. And, and But that's for a good reason because he can catch the ball. He is super elusive, super explosive. So it's pick your poison between these two. And I think the, the gap really isn't that big. Um, earlier on, I, you know, when I like sat down with Angelo Fantasy and talked to some other guys, there felt like a pretty clear gap between Harris and ETN. And people were saying ETN's out here landing spot dependent. I think wherever ETN lands, as long as they give him the ball, he's going to do well. Yeah, and I think it's worth calling out as well that just because I love Najee Harris – um, as a three-down workhorse back and a goal line back and a receiving back, I still think Travis Etienne can get it done around the goal line. Like you mentioned Alvin Kamara, um, and just because Alvin Kamara is not some big 240-pound back doesn't mean he's not one of the best red zone threats in the NFL. Facts. So that draft capital and landing spot's going to be the deciding factor in who goes one and who goes two in some of these drafts. I know, Steph, we're picking back-to-back in our <laughs> league at 3-4, and we expect both of these guys to be on the board, so it's going to be really, really interesting to see which one of us ends up with with which which with oh my gosh <laughs> yikes so it's going to be really interesting to see which one of us ends up with each of these guys but Steph let's move on to number 3 because we are in agreement here first let's be clear i think there's a tier after both of both of those first two guys and then i think this Javante Williams at number 3 is in a tier by himself 
out of UNC. He's 5'10", 220, 21 years old. I know in terms of the pro day time, you were a little bit concerned with that 4'5", 8". But I will say for Javante Williams and the way he plays, the 4'5", is not a death sentence to me because that's in the same speed range as like a Chris Carson, James Conner, Kareem Hunt, guys that have had very successful NFL careers. And with Javante Williams, you're just getting phenomenal college production. I mean, 157 carries, 1,140 yards, and 22 total touchdowns in 2020. That was splitting time with Michael Carter, who's also going to be a pro running back. He also had 25 receptions in 11 games for 12.2 yards per catch. So Javante Williams is probably underrated as a pass catcher. He's actually solid out of the backfield and has that receiving capability has the upside to be a three down back. There's a lot of guys we're going to talk about here that we don't think have that potential. They're either going to be a first and second down guy, maybe just a receiving guy. But Javante Williams, although I think he's not going to walk right into a three down role, definitely has that upside for you know a projection of his NFL career because I think he's shown that he can get it done on the ground and through the air at a very, very high level. Yeah, that 8.4% target share while splitting that backfield both on the ground. To hit, it was literally a 50-50 split between Michael Carter and Javante Williams. We'll talk about Michael Carter a little bit later. The The disappointing thing for me with Javante Williams pro day was the speed. It was the speed. Now he ran that, that pro day time, 4.55. If we adjust that to combine time, again, depending on where you read, what sources you're looking at, people have done different studies. You add about 0.03 to 0.08 to that time. All it means is that Javante Williams ceiling isn't quite at the same level of a guy like a Cam Akers, a Joe Mixon, an Ezekiel Elliott. It's more like a David Montgomery or a Carlos Hyde. And I don't say Carlos Hyde as the, you know, 2020 Carlos Hyde. I'm talking about prime Carlos Hyde, a guy that can still definitely produce. If he's in the right opportunity, he will be able to get volume through the air. I mean, we saw David Montgomery this year finish fifth amongst all running backs in receptions and had 68 targets so that's definitely not nothing we just don't think of David Montgomery as this three down monster because that's not what he is that situation with Tariq Cohen going down the quarterback position and situation in Chicago being what it was led to that that's David Montgomery to me is is an easy easy comp for Javante Williams and that's exactly what I do think Javante can be at the next level but nowhere near as strong of a prospect as the other two. And the thing with running backs, we're about to get into this this next tier below the clear big three. This whole tier for me is going to come down to draft capital. It's going to come down to draft capital and landing spot. It gets sketchy. It gets sketchy. There's guys that I like. There's guys that are confusing. And yeah, to your point, it's going to be draft capital because – If these guys, you know, whoever we talk about from four through eight here, if they go on day two, round two or three, that's going to be huge. There's there's qualities about each of these guys that I really, really like. So that draft capital is going to be so important. It's always so important for running backs. Maybe if there's a talent here that I just really continue to, to love and they go in round four, I might be willing to take them over a late day two guy. Just depends on who it is. It would probably have to be Kenny Gainwell, who we both have at number four. If he went in that fourth round area, I would be a little bit disappointed, but I think he could still maintain some value just because he has a very clear skill set as a pass catching 
back. 5'8", 201. 201, that was big. 201, very, very important in terms of weight. We have been beating that drum um, since the pro day, since before the pro day, because that 200-pound threshold is so important for running backs. But this is a guy who outproduced Antonio Gibson at Memphis in 2019, the last time he was on a football field. He had 231 carries for 1,459 yards, added 51 receptions for 610 yards, blazed a 4-4-7, 40-yard dash at his pro day. So he might not be an NFL workhorse, but he could have a Naheem Hines type of role, um, depending on where he gets drafted to. And he could end up with that Austin Eckler level of upside if he gets some additional opportunity in his career. So Gainwell, I like as a guy who's going to have some sort of fantasy value, most likely. It's probably not going to have a, a giant ceiling right off the bat, but he should have a higher floor than, than some of the other guys we're going to talk about. He's so electric, man. He is. So electric. Watching this kid play, it's every play is a highlight reel play was fourth in the country in receptions as a 20-year-old sophomore just behind Claude edwards alaire in 2019. Led the country in receiving yards. Super efficient. And that 200 weigh-in was huge. There's only been nine occasions out of a possible 120 where a sub-200-pound running back has finished top 24 in PPR leagues over the last five years. The guys who have achieved that are Naheem Hines, J.D. McKissick, Tariq Cohen, James White, Philip Lindsay, Deion Lewis, and Darren Sproles. And all of those guys were able to produce late in their careers, even in, in non-ideal situations. They've shown they can get it done. So put Kenny Gainwell into that type of role. Put him in a James White role. He's going to thrive because he is just that elusive and that explosive. He is a playmaker in every sense of the word. Very easy to have Kenny Gainwell here, especially after that nice pro day as the clear RB4 in this class. But Alex, who do you have as the RB5? There's Seems like everybody has a different answer here. Kind of pick your poison. Who's you, who you want to take fifth? Is it Jeremiah Jefferson? Is it Chuba Hubbard? I know there's deeper names that we both like, like Elijah Mitchell and Michael Carter. But who is that number five for you? Yeah, that was good foreshadowing there, Steph. But number five for me is going to be Chuba Hubbard. I know that's not your number five, but I think you have them close. So just because the the next four guys, you know, five through eight, I think you and I are going to have some variance on. We're going to have some disagreements here. Let's throw those rankings on the screen now just so everyone can get a good visual and see where we differ, even though we're going to talk about them in, in one specific order. But number five for me is Chuba Hubbard. Looks like Steph has him at number six, not too far behind. And I like Chuba Hubbard because I think – he has upside. He's got the speed at the running back spot. At one time, he was the RB1 in this class because he had just a nuclear 2019 season. In 2019, over 2,000 rushing yards, 21 total touchdowns. He's 21.8 years old, six foot 208, decent size for a running back. His pro day 40 time is a little bit nebulous. You know, I have him at a 4.36. That's where a lot of people had him. There were a couple scouts that had him closer to that upper 4.4 even close to four or five. So that's what you get when you get a pro day. You don't get these electric laser official times. You get everyone on a stopwatch and people are going to report it differently. So we're going to assume that Chuba is somewhere in that low four, four range, which to me is fine because I'm nervous. I'm nervous that he, he, here's what I'm nervous <laughs> about. After that 2019, he dealt with some injuries. There was weird situations that he was in. At Oklahoma State, 
I'm nervous too. We just haven't seen it since that 29. Like I'm worried that he's he's gassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm worried that for some reason his explosiveness is gone. That's the biggest concern. That's why I do have him at number six. But he's an exciting prospect, and if he gets the draft capital, could easily fly up these rankings. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. And there are concerns with you, but I think I'm nervous too. The upside is there. This is kind of a, a home run pick. You know, if we want to talk about a safer pick, we'll talk about a guy like a Michael Carter, who we'll get into a little bit later. But with Chuba, there's concerns. There's the injury risk, like you said. He's had injury problems, and who knows? Maybe that's taken away some of the speed, some of the explosiveness. I I still saw it on the field, but you just never know. What about the 2.9% target share? Not great. Yeah, receiving production's another one. Pass protection, he's been called out on several times, so... With Chuba, there are red flags. And in the NFL, you can be a great running back, but if you can't protect the passer, if you're a liability in the receiving game, you're not even going to get on the field. So I'm with you on the red flags. There are concerns. I just think the upside is there. He could join a committee as a rookie, still give you production. We've talked about Denver as being a great landing spot. I think there are a couple good – Arizona would be a good one. There's a couple good landing spots around the league, but at the end of the day, you're right. The draft capital is going to be important. And, man – I, I like Chuba here at number five, but this is an upside shot. And if I start to start to get a little bit more nervous, as nervous as you are about Chuba, I might bump him down a spot or two. But for now, he's my number five um, just because I think the upside is there. His absolute ceiling to me, I've said this before, it's Philip Lindsay. He's a Philip Lindsay plus, which, you know, Philip Lindsay has had great seasons. He's been in RB2 multiple times. He's been on the borderline of an RB1 when the opportunity was there, when he was the only guy in the backfield. We'll see how it plays out, but definitely have some concerns. Let's talk about, oh man, Jermar Jefferson. The pro day was just, was just brutal. I still have him just over Chuba because of what he was able to do as a freshman in college in 12 games, 1,380 Rushing yards, it's 5.8 yards per carry. Actually showed a higher yards per carry in his junior season. Was was on absolute tear in 2020. Only six games that the Pac-12 played. But Jamar Jefferson as a freshman and a junior, phenomenal. Dealt with injuries as a sophomore. But the fact that like what we didn't get with Chuba is that bounce back year. And that's what we did get with Jamar Jefferson. It's true. We did see a little bit more action in the receiving game. I do think Jamar Jefferson can play a three down role for a team but that brutal pro day man some of these numbers like right now i'm looking at his 40 time it was four six five four six five that's just that that hurts that hurts and when we look at running backs draft capital is going to be the highest correlation to a running back breakout one of the other things we look for though is speed score height adjusted and weight adjusted 40 time and even relative to his size, he has the, the, the feature back size, 5'10", 217. That is the Cam Akers profile. That is the David Montgomery height and weight. But who knows if he has the true... Steph, you want to hear some bad news? Jermar weighed in at, at, he weighed in at 206. He weighed in 10 pounds lighter than he was listed as, like you said, that 217. And the speed still wasn't there. So that's why it's a big concern to me. He came in lighter than expected. Still came in slower than expected. So I think, geez, this guy needs to be explosive. The explosive metrics weren't great either. A 31-inch vertical and a 9-foot-7 broad jump. That's not... Yeah, those are those not, are bottom you know, 15 percentile. 
amongst running backs. It's bad. Those, those it's are bottom bad. 15 percentile. That's brutal. I mean, that's we're talking about some of the comps here being Jamal Williams, Ronald Jones is another one. I I would rather take Rojo as a prospect over Jamar Easy. Jefferson. I know you like Rojo, so. Who knows, man? You, you just can't – what I can't get over and why I, I just can't let Jamar fall is just what he did as a freshman and then to see the bounce back. It's in there somewhere. Maybe he just had a bad pro day. It's the same story as Chuba, though. There was a fall off there and something happened, and, you know, that's a red flag for me. And I think he's a fine replacement-level runner, but given these metrics, he's going to get absolutely smothered in the NFL. He's not going to be able to do it. And I don't want the pro day to just erase everything he did on the field at Oregon State. But that's why he fell for me. He fell several spots in my rankings. That's why I have him at number eight is because I just have concerns there. And, you know, without some sort of miraculous opportunity coming his way, whether it be by injury or something else and him getting to the top of the depth chart on a good team, I just don't see it for Jermar. Um, and I think he's going to be a backup, maybe a handcuff, but that's all I can say about him right now. A comparison that I've seen thrown around is James Robinson, and he, but even James Robinson was still an explosive runner. He was not maybe the fastest top speed guy, but still showed explosiveness, showed burst and agility in his combine, and then weighed in at 219. So th- those are all the red flags with Jermar Jefferson. If this guy does fall to day three, he may finish way lower in these RB rankings at the end mm. of the day. But I'm so excited to talk about this next prospect. He's the opposite. He's the anti-Jermar Jefferson. And that's Elijah Mitchell because... Let's go. Not only... <laughs> is he your guy too here at the seven spot? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. He is. I'm excited to talk about him. I haven't gotten a chance to talk about him on the pod yet. I don't think you and I have even talked about him that much. But, man, I love this guy. He's... He's a stud, and he's slightly undersized, 5'10", 201, but had a monster pro day, ran a 4-4-0 if we adjust to the combine. So at his pro day, ran a 4 Yeah, 4 3 5 for all time. That's big. 4 3 now, 5 for all time. That's fantastic. Now, he does have the one like major red flag that I just can't debate no matter what is, is that he is older. He's almost 23 years old. He was not an early declare, but what you want to see from a guy who went to a small school like a Louisiana Lafayette – is monster production every single year. And not only was Elijah Mitchell hyper-productive, he relegated other running backs like Trey Ragas in that backfield as well to playing second fiddle to him. And every single year he produced. So if we look at guys that did go to small schools, whether it is, uh, let's just use James Robinson as an example. I still have him pulled up. Had 933 yards as a sophomore on the ground almost 1,300 as a junior, and then almost 2,000 as a senior. Eliza Mitchell, 985 yards as a sophomore, 1,147 yards as a junior, and then was on pace for 1,600 yards, over 1,600 yards as a senior. So this guy was a mega producer in college, even at a smaller school. That's why I like him a ton. You add that in with the Monster Pro Day. I like this guy a lot. He can get it done in the passing game. He didn't command a monster target share. That is what some of the other backs there were used for. Trey Raga stealing a lot of the 
scat back duties out of that backfield took that away from him. I think he's very smooth in the passing game from what I've seen on film. But Alex, what do you think about Elijah Mitchell here? 84% catch rate in four years. Um, so, you know, not incredible target volume, only 58 targets over four seasons. But when the ball came his way, he caught it. I can tell you that <laughs> for a fact. So, yeah, I like Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. The production was... You know, it wasn't any video game numbers like we see from some of these guys like Chuba Hubbard in 2019, like Kenny Gainwell in 2019, like ETN or Najee. But the production was solid, over six yards per carry in his career. And the touchdowns were there as well. 16 total touchdowns in 2018 as a sophomore, 17 total touchdowns as a junior. So I like Elijah Mitchell. He's got the athleticism. Um, to be a good NFL running back. You mentioned the speed score earlier with Jermar Jefferson, 86 percentile speed score, which does factor in the weight I really, really like for Elijah Mitchell. So this is a guy that is rising for me as a sleeper. I He's going to be a day three guy. But I do think on day three, the reason he's going to go there is because of the small school, because some of the other issues you talked about is a little bit older already. But I think he could fit right into an offense and be a good you know, one-two punch with another running back. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a workhorse like we saw from James Robinson, a guy we found ourselves talking about a lot here. But <laughs> some of the landing spots we mentioned earlier, Denver, Arizona, uh, maybe even the New York Jets, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, a lot of teams that could use a running back if they decide to go with Elijah Mitchell on day three. I think he could carve out a nice little role for himself um, and, and be an impact guy in fantasy. No, he's not going to be your top you know, 15 running back. But he could be someone you could flex or use as an RB3 during, you know, bye weeks, if you have any injuries, things like that right off the bat. And I think there's some upside there as well if he gets a bigger opportunity. So, Alex, you have Jermar Jefferson at eight. I do. But the guy that you have at six, who we have not talked about, he's eighth on my list, is Michael Carter. And for a lot of people, he's he's the easy one when you say, who's who's like the most underrated running back prospect in this class? Mm-hmm. It's definitely Michael Carter because for a guy who's a little bit undersized at 58202, he's done everything he could possibly do to show the NFL that he can be a starting running back in the league. He, he, I know he's not an early declare, but just a few months after turning 18, he was running at 5.8 yards per carry on 100 carries in the ACC. He actually has the earliest breakout age in this class. Breakout age for running backs really doesn't matter that much. It's more about the draft capital and the athleticism, but he was good from day one when he stepped on UNC's campus. He saw over 15% of his team's offensive production as a freshman, second on the depth chart. So he was commanding volume early, and then he only got better for three years. He increased his skill set in the passing game. He showed out at the senior bowl. And, you know, notice Javante Williams, who we had as our consensus RB3, Michael Carter in a 50-50 split, was actually more efficient and was a higher level producer than Javante Williams. And so if I'm in the late second, early third round, I need a running back. I'm definitely taking my shot on a guy like Michael Carter. Alex, I'm excited to hear you talk about it because you do have him a little bit higher. Yeah, I like Michael Carter. I mean, he's not, like you said, he's underrated. Only a 4-5-4, four, 40 time at his pro day adjust that to, you know, a four, five, nine, four, six. So he's not a burner, but he has that speed in that Chris Carson, Kareem Hunt range. And you said he split time with Javante Williams at UNC, but he outproduced him in his last two seasons there. I think Michael Carter is a safe pick in this draft. I think he's a guy that's going to be drafted into a situation 
where he is going to have a role right off the bat. He had 100 targets in his career at UNC, caught 82 of them, so an 82% catch rate. He doesn't possess that elite speed, like I said, but he has good vision. He could thrive in a rotational role. He's good at most things, but great not really at anything. So if he does get a good opportunity, I think he could be a really good NFL running back. I have him at six because I think he's a safer pick. I mentioned Chuba's an upside guy. I think even Elijah Mitchell is more of an upside guy as we expect him to go on day three. But Michael Carter, I don't know if the upside is quite there with some of the other guys in this class, but I do think he's going to have a role. I think he's got a shot to go on day two as well. Um, So I like him a lot back-to-back thousand-yard seasons um, in his last two years there at North Carolina. So big fan of Michael Carter. The comp for me is another guy that went to UNC, Giovanni Bernard. That that's oh, yeah. the ceiling. And we've saw we've seen Gio carry a backfield and be really really good for fantasy. I see that as the ceiling for Michael Carter because he's a little bit undersized. He's not the fastest guy, but he is kind of a jack of all trades. Has had multiple 1000-yard seasons in college. Who knows if Javante Williams wasn't in that backfield, if Michael Carter was the clear one and was getting more of like a 60 to 70% opportunity share as opposed to a 50% at UNC, maybe he puts up some of these gaudy video game numbers that some of these guys like Gio Bernard were able to do in college. He doesn't have any red flags as far as his college production. So that's why you've got to like Michael Carter there. But Alex, I think that's it for these running backs. If you guys want to see where we have them in the context of an actual dynasty rookie draft in super flex leagues, hop in our discord channel. Love talking to you guys on there. Join a dynasty league with us. We are drafting. We are in these startups and I'm pumped to see how this class shakes out and where these guys get drafted in the back of April. If you guys like the show, a like and a sub always appreciated. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.